0: It's um, Most of us walk around in society trying to be understood, but mm-hmm. in all of the spiritual teachings, it will tell you, if you want to be understood, seek first to understand. Mm-hmm. If you want friendship, be a friend. If yeah. you want love, be loving. If you want grace, be gracious. And so us learning to seek to understand is the first step to healing disconnection. Welcome to the Let's
1: Not Sugar Quoted podcast,
2: where every week we bring you real, raw, and unfiltered conversations
1: designed to motivate and inspire you on your journey through motherhood relationships and career. We're your hosts, Alex and Bella. Thanks for spending this time with us. Let's get into it.
2: Hey, okay, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> welcome,
0: everybody. Yeah. Welcome,
2: welcome, welcome. Okay, today we have Pam Raider in the house. Mm-hmm. So, Pam is the author, I mean, the founder of Shift Labs, Shift Power Yoga, and the author of the best selling memoir, Through the Cracks. She's a coach. And leadership development facilitator who believes in a heart led approach to transformation. In addition to bringing some street cred to the table by navigating healing her life while loving her son through a harrowing, harrowing decade long. Ah, see? see, Bella said she was going to mess that word up. Now I did. Harrowing <laughs> decade long heroin addiction. Pam is known for her unique and powerful strategies that blend her background in spiritual study with her extensive study in personal development and coaching. Her highest vision is to lead people to a deeper connection, more peace, and the fulfillment that arises from living authentically. Welcome, Pam.
1: Welcome, welcome. Thank it's you, so ladies. so nice to have you in studio. I mean, we've seen you talk a couple of times and it's so empowering and moving. And yeah, I just love your your story of triumph and letting go and just loving just Thank loving you. yeah mm-hmm. yeah so do tell us tell us a little <laughs> so
0: bit just more jump right in yeah <laughs> just jump right in oh gosh where should i start well firstly i'd like to just say that um sharing our stories is the way that we heal humanity and yet so many of us are busy trying to curate these perfect looking lives mm-hmm. and um hide behind uh, societal norms and hide our shame, but it was really, for me, the most transformative process that I've ever been through was just having a platform to share my story, dissolve the shame around it, and then feel the healing that came from that. So... Uh, I'm on a mission to help people overcome shame uh, and be able to dive in and share their stories powerfully because I believe that stories are the medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a lost art in society, the the gift of storytelling, you know, yeah. and, and sharing our trials and triumphs as a uh, a lighthouse for others to follow
1: through their own um, journeys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. my therapist said, "I bet you you're a very great storyteller." <laughs> well, <there's>, uh... <laughs> because you know the way you know you talk about your trauma, mm-hmm. the way I talk to her, I've never talked to anybody else mm-hmm. because there is that shame and and blame and all that kind of stuff that goes with it, mm-hmm. and uh, it is quite freeing and. Um, I do, yeah, believe that healing does come through sharing, mm-hmm. um, and I've been on a healing journey for the last few months. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I've been telling everybody that I know it's winter's coming and we're in hibernation, but I, right now I'm in spring, uh-huh. so I feel very much alive. I. F- feel like I weathered the storm and Mm -hmm. now spring is here and my flowers are about to bloom. That's Mm -hmm. why I got a tattoo. I have a new tattoo that says no rain, no flowers. (laughs) And it goes along my spine. And yeah, it's spring for me, baby. Nice (laughs) for
0: you. Nice. (laughs) Nice. But if I
1: didn't go through those dark, deep places and I didn't share and share with my family and friends, I don't think I would have been able to get through what I've been going through the last You know, year, I'm going to say, beginning Mm -hmm. of the year. So, yeah, I do really believe that it's through the sharing and our stories that we do find healing. And yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I got to say, like, when
2: you were just talking about your goal for sharing your story, Mm -hmm. I just read your book this weekend. Mm. And I feel like you really nailed your goal. Like I, in the beginning of your book, when you're just like so many parts where you're talking about your shame or the... The blame, you know, as mothers, we put on ourselves for like the things that have happened. And I just felt like that mom guilt and shame Mm -hmm. in that. And then in the last part, just the way you how you talk about. And we've talked about this here before about changing the narrative and the story Mm -hmm. to be about what life is teaching you and that it's happening to you and not for you. And just like the transformation. And it was very inspiring story. And it was did exactly what you just said there a minute ago about how, you know, the shame and helping people learn and then just the in, the light on the other side of mm-hmm. getting to like letting go of that. Mm-hmm. It was powerful. Thank you.
0: Yeah. It was, um, for a long time, I kind of hid that. I was like, how does somebody as smart and strong and um, capable as me wind up in a marriage like I did with this guy? And then, who's you know abusive and nasty and there's addiction and all of that and there was this kind of dichotomy happening because I was like that only happens to weak people and so now I need to hide that because I'm not weak Mm. it was so such a strange thing I wouldn't have told you that I was ashamed at the time I would have told you that I was strong Mm -hmm. you know but looking back of course it's this poor little girl that's just like worried about what everybody thinks about her and Mm -hmm. all of that um but I was very lucky because uh, early on in my healing journey, i I started practicing yoga. And uh, through yoga practice, we kind of worked to seek the truth. And as I progressed in my yoga practice and then eventually became a teacher, I had this natural platform to be able to share little bits as I felt comfortable. Mm-hmm and then i saw the result of that people didn't turn away from me in shame they actually came to me after and said thank you and that's me too and and so it gave me confidence to be able to share and i think that one of the things that we can all do for each other is provide safe spaces for other people to share their truth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so reserve judgment get curious um and, and just offer uh, like to hold space for others to share their stories. Because mm-hmm. I think that that's, um, you know, to me, disconnection is the greatest disease in society right now. And we can connect through our
1: stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, my marriage, like this, we totally disconnected mm-hmm. over the death of my father. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were all dealing with trauma differently. Mm-hmm. And it, it was through the sharing and holding space, but we couldn't have done it alone. You know, we needed help. So we did uh, reach out and we did get a therapist and, Mm -hmm. and then we got curious. Mm-hmm. About, okay, well, now we've done the couple thing. Okay, we we get it. I got curious about, I'm like, okay, where is this coming from? Where are these stories? How am I, why am I the way I am? And he got curious, why is he the way he is? Mm-hmm. And through that, now when we're listening and communicating, you know, we're not coming from that shame, blame. We're coming from a place of curiosity mm-hmm. and going, okay, what is he actually trying to say? Where is this actually coming from? How, even though I don't agree Or may not, why is he thinking this way? Let's let's like I said, let's let's get Mm -hmm. curious and find out why is he saying the things that he's saying? Because I'm not understanding, but without curiosity you'll never understand because
0: yeah yeah it's um most of us walk around in society trying to be understood but Mm -hmm. in all of the spiritual teachings it will tell you if you want to be understood seek first to understand Mm -hmm. if you want friendship be a friend if you want love be loving if you want grace be gracious and so us learning to seek to understand is the first step to healing disconnection and uh one of the the spiritual teachings that leads into the personal development teachings that I really like to explore is that we are just the sum total of our reactions. We don't even have personalities per se. What we have are strategies that we develop to win us love and avoid punishment as children. And then we do them, if they work, we do them over and over again. Yeah. They become habits and we call them traits. And then we're like, oh, that's my personality. It's just the way I am. Yeah. But we take those strategies out of childhood and then into cohabitation with another adult who has their own strategies Mm -hmm. and unless we get curious and examine them it tends to go poorly Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's when we wake up and recognize that life isn't just happening you know some people say it's happening to them some people say it's happening for them I say you're creating it Mm -hmm. you're creating it all we have it that life is happening to us but we're actually creating it all and that's so beautiful because it means that we can wake up in any given moment and say, who do I want to be right now? How do I want to show up here? Who do I want to become? And what's the next action that I can take towards becoming that version of myself right now? So I'm actually laying the foundation of Mm -hmm. becoming a, a more gracious, more patient, more curious person as I go step by step. Yeah, And so Though awakening is not an easy process Mm-mm. because there is that shame and blame. We look back at all the ways we weren't that way in the mm-hmm. past, and that mm-hmm. can be very hard to reconcile uh, for people. But it's such a beautiful process to uh, step into because you can really redefine and recreate yourself. You are not determined by your past. Mm-hmm. You could wake up today and say, I'm going to be a totally different person and practice being that person. And a year
1: from now you will be. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. I mean, looking at yourself is really, really tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went into some really dark places, mm-hmm. uh, but without that, knowing where it's coming from, I don't think I would be who I am right now at this moment. And I'm still finding myself, but the reinvention, I am not the product of you know, my past, mm-hmm. um, I am, like you said, who I choose to be today. And it's so powerful to step into that. I feel, like I said, I I feel really alive right now. I've never loved myself more. I've never, ha- you know, set as many boundaries um, for myself. It, it's just, I don't know. I'm just really coming home, I guess, to myself. And it's a really nice place to be. But Not without the work. (laughs) Uh,
0: It's funny because people have this big word, enlightenment, right? Or like we Mm -hmm. get get enlightened or more aware as we go on. And enlightenment isn't coming into like some piece of information we didn't Mm -hmm. have before. Enlightenment's sort of like, a whole whack of things we thought were true, mm-hmm. we recognize are not true and they yeah. fall away. And then we're kind of left in this void where we have to do the work of actually creating ourselves. Yeah. And it's often, you know, no thorns, no roses. It's often the prickly parts in life, the difficulties that will spur us on to seek the truth. Mm-hmm and get us to the place where we go, oh, wait a minute. I'm the author. I'm the artist. I'm the creator. And I can either remain a reaction or I can take my seat as the creator of my life. And I can I can steer the ship yeah. the way that I want it to go. And that's what really happened for me with my son's addiction. I didn't realize that I hadn't healed from my abusive marriage. And I was living in fear, uh, really operating from the fear of, you know, he's going to be an addict and I've got to prevent that as mm-hmm. I'm raising him. And, and um, when you're focused on what you don't want, the prize is that you get more of that thing, mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> and um, when you argue for your limitations, the prize is that you get to keep them. Whatever we're focused on, we just kind of expand. And uh, I'm not saying that my focus was the reason my son became an addict. There were a lot of factors And when he was finally in addiction and it got to the point that it was sort of life threatening, I was reactive and ridiculous, like controlling and Mm -hmm. fighting and just like no version of myself that I would want, that I would choose to be. Mm -hmm. And I remember one specific sort of wake up call I was about to lead a yoga workshop and I, I, I was missing some money from my wallet mm-hmm. and I, uh, I mean, it was pretty obvious he, he had to be the guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it was, there was a pattern established by then. And, uh, I challenged him on it and he really blew up in my face and he's like, and to the point where I doubted myself, I'm like, did I not see that? Like, I'm mm-hmm. sure that I just saw him take money out of my wallet, you know? And, he uh, he was just like really in my face. And I said, I have to go. You're making me late for my yoga workshop where I'm going to go teach people about peace and love. Yeah, right, <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, some big yoga teacher you are, you can't even have a conversation with your fucking kid. Mm. And you know what though? Like it hurt deeply because it was the truth. Yeah. And- I recognized that yoga was even a place that I was hiding mm. and I, and I needed to do some more healing and some more confronting of my fears and my doubts and my uh, patterns. And it was kind of that point that I recognized like, I can't, I, I don't know that I can heal him, but I sure got some work to do on myself. So I took my attention and take my attention off my son, but I took my attention off of trying to control him mm-hmm. and put my attention on who I wanted to be. And, um, that was probably the biggest shift just right. to be, yeah that's the only thing that we can control
2: is ourselves mm-hmm. and our yeah. yeah yeah 100% yeah, is like
1: yeah when you take the focus on, off of someone else and you put it on you then you're like oh there's those aha moments where mm-hmm. you're like oh i'm actually contributing a lot more than what mm-hmm. i thought and not in a positive way yeah, um, yeah <laughs> you know it's true like you you do you're like oh yeah no definitely uh, got to look on the inside and mm-hmm. heal those parts of myself. Cause I also come from an abusive relationship mm-hmm. and um, you know, my don't tell me what to do. I'm strong, independent. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. W- was not, was working for me until it was not.
0: That's right? what happens. Right? It right? works until
1: it doesn't. works until yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> oh, then, yeah, sure. going back to, you know, you were saying about like the controlling and you were fearful of, your son becoming an addict. And then he did. I'm refocusing because I was struggling because I had an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was so scared to have my children. Mm -hmm. And I'm so controlling when it comes to food. Mm -hmm. Sorry, this is a patchy subject. Mm -hmm. I'm still working on it Mm -hmm. with them. And the way I'm showing up is I'm not showing up as the mom I want to be. Mm -hmm. I'm showing up as somebody who was, without eating this, I had it, it's, mm. and so much control mm. um anyways because <laughs> well, you're trying to i'm get trying it to, to happen, prevent right? it yeah. so yeah. i'm coming not from you know i think like a normal mom <laughs> yeah. piece. peace it's more i'm watching i was watching more i'm starting right. to let that go because i don't
0: want them ending up you're just like most of the population we're not we're not aware until we are and yeah. you know there are only two energies in the world the energy of no and the energy of yes mm-hmm. we have a negativity bias where yeah. we're we are our reticular activating system is trained to keep us safe it's looking for danger yeah and it's it's a 2 to 1 negativity bias and our RAS is mm-hmm. scanning the environment four times a second am i safe am i safe mm-hmm. and as a mother are my children safe are my children yeah. safe and so we ba- we basically run through life going. I don't want my kids to suffer mm-hmm. like I did. I don't want to be humiliated. I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to be um, judged. I don't want to be broke. I don't want to. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. And it's kind of like we're standing in the center of this circle, looking outward with a sword, a sword drawn, and saying, I you know what? I don't want any of these things to happen. So I'm putting chewing gum in the dam and <laughs> right, slaying yeah, the demons and you know, all yeah. of that. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, maybe we staved off some of those things, but we didn't have a chance to actually say, what do I mm-hmm. want to create? What am I a yes for in this moment? And I think that that is a really important piece Mm -hmm. for us as parents. I would never give parenting advice, but what I can share is from my own experience is to say, as you've heard me say in talks that I had to ask over and over again, okay, I can feel myself doing that thing where I want to control. So what does it look like just to love him here? Mm -hmm. What does it look like just to love? And it was like moment by moment, a moment by moment choice, a moment by moment decision Over and over again until it kind of just became the way. And it might be a question for different people like, what does it look like to let go Mm -hmm. of control here? Mm -hmm. What does it look like to allow? What does Mm -hmm. it look like to surrender? What does it look like to relax with what is? Mm -hmm. And these kinds of questions can help us um, soften. Uh, away from our strategies mm-hmm. that we develop to protect, preserve, and prevent as right. children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And often eating disorders. I mean, that's mm-hmm. all almost always a control. I, I yeah. want control over my life because something happened to me that made me feel so out of control
1: mm-hmm. that I'll show you that I have some. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm exploring too with my therapist <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, is that control of why. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And going back to... You know, childhood control is is
0: directly related to the need for certainty. Mm-hmm. And when we don't feel certain, we will try to control. So the biggest control freaks and micromanagers, aka me, recovering <laughs> control freak, recovering micromanager. I see, you not judging anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, we felt that we didn't have any autonomy in some areas in our mm-hmm. lives. And also that maybe there were some things that we were fearing that were out of our control and there were small things like food that Mm -hmm. we could control or other people or how clean our house is, Mm -hmm. obsessive compulsive cleaning, those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. They tend to be because we have a higher need for certainty and we're just not getting it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when we can recognize those things, I think those patterns, I think that we can have compassion for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's not like I'm broken or defective. It's just like, oh, of course, I didn't have the certainty that I needed. And the adults in my life maybe didn't have the skills to reassure me Mm -hmm. or provide that. And so there's, of course, I would have that strategy. And then we can forgive. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And forgiveness... You know, as a mom, it's so hard, right? Oh, you guys are yeah. knowing this is so hard. But <laughs> it is hard. <laughs> my spiritual teacher, Baron Baptiste's my yoga teacher, actually. Um, I, he's been my teacher for many years, and he says that forgiveness is forfeiting the right to ever make that judgment again. I like that. Isn't that great? Mm-hmm. Is forgiveness great. is forfeiting the right to make that judgment again. So it's not that it doesn't happen, you but you you make the judgment and then you go, wait a minute. No, I gave up the right to do that next and you move on. Mm -hmm. And that's really, it's a process. Forgiveness is a process, Mm -hmm. but it's a big part of the healing. We have to forgive ourselves for all the various ways that we screwed up our kids and that our kids screwed us up. (laughs) That we're all just screwed up. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Somebody recently told me that um, when it comes to forgiving ourselves, Mm. that we often fall into like, Guilt and guilt is a hard emotion to reconcile with. But if we can have remorse for our actions or have remorse over something we've done, then remorse as a word is just so much easier to move forward from. And I, mm. I've been reflecting on that, and I'm like, yeah, there are things that I, I still carry like that shame and that guilt for. But as soon as I reframe it a little bit, and I think, okay, I have remorse how I acted in that mm-hmm. moment. But like you're saying, I can see maybe things that it led to that, and then it, for some reason I was like, "Oh, this is so much easier to forgive myself mm-hmm. in a place of remorse than a place of guilt and shame." In a way,
0: well, I think the distinction for me, as you're just saying that, I'm I'm really big on words and their meanings and all of that, and I um I I'm wondering if remorse comes from the root word of morose, like to feel sad about something, you mm-hmm. know, and um regretful, right? Like that and and here's. The difference, like remorse would would involve, guilt to me is I haven't cleaned up my mess yet. Mm-hmm. Remorse is I have regret and therefore I have cleaned up my mess or am in the process of cleaning up my mess. Right. And so it's like, it's complete. Whereas guilt, I think when we have guilt, there's something incomplete. We haven't owned our stuff yet. Mm-hmm. There's someone, there's an apology owed somewhere. Right. There's something to let go of. There's some amends to make somewhere Mm -hmm. but i think remorse is like a redirection like okay i have remorse i feel sadness like true sadness not just kind of shame like embarrassment Mm -hmm. i i feel Mm -hmm. deeply sad and regretful about this action and i need to go and restore my integrity Mm -hmm. by cleaning up the mess i made so that i can move forward without
2: shame right yeah i like that Mm -hmm. see it's good yeah, <laughs> I know. And then my phone keeps binging, but there was one thing I wanted to save from Pam's book that I thought was so good. Hang on. Ooh. And then I'll turn it off because it's binging. It's annoying. <laughs> um, hang on. I got to find it. I forgot my phone at home today. And it's mm-hmm. the, it's terrifying driving around
0: without your phone, but it's also freeing. It is
1: freeing. I've, I've forgotten <laughs> so freeing. my phone a couple of times. I'm like, wow, now I can see why my mom doesn't attach herself to her phone, but she has been taking off. <laughs> the emergency contact list because she never picks up the phone ever she doesn't <laughs> she <yeah>. doesn't <laughs> that's, psycho- that's hilarious <laughs> did that's you funny. find
2: it? I found it but it's like okay so I, you said earlier about like the things that come up for us that are like the prickly things and so mm-hmm. on and it's always about okay so this one line she says is so good to me it's like Um, If you want to make the most significant difference, ask yourself these questions. Can you give up making someone wrong? Who Who can you forgive? Who can you send love to? Who can you reach out to without judgment to let them know that you see them? It's likely the first person that comes to your mind, that one that feels prickly. That's the one that's your teacher. That's the person who's like here to teach you something. And Mm -hmm. I love it. I just love that part. Yeah. Uh,
0: that was about the whole point in writing the book was just to share that my journey through all of these, you know, my, my, I mean, you read the book, my husband tried to kill me and went to prison for that. It was, Mm -hmm. it was like fairly traumatic. And, and, um, a lot of the things that we went through with my son's addiction were also traumatic, but I was pretty thick headed and stubborn. It took that kind of trauma to wake Mm -hmm. me up, honestly. And, um, if we can shift the, I mean, both things are happening. It's It could be terrible. You know, if we think about both sides of the hand, it could be mm-hmm. absolutely terrible. It was terrible living with an addict and surviving all of the things that, that happened with my husband. And then it was horrible watching my child go through all of this. But it was also beautiful. It was also beautiful because we all woke up through it and we were all redirected by it. And we all had to dig down into the depths of, compassion and expand our ability to um to be with other human beings Mm -hmm. in their suffering like there's great beauty in that Mm -hmm. and I think that I'm really good at being with people who are suffering without flinching which is such a rare quality Mm -hmm. because I, I kept thinking to myself who did I need and I needed somebody who didn't say, well, I, have you tried rehab for your son? Right.
2: Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh oh go my God. Look go F you. yourself. That's yeah. what I did. <laughs> say that in your book, like go F yourself.
0: Totally. Like, <laughs>
2: <the> people <laughs> who kept saying, oh, no, I haven't uh, tried that. And my no. mother's
0: like, do you know, it's probably his friends. And I'm like, <laughs> no, he's the ringleader. He's the guy, mom. It's not his friends. And could everyone just shut up? I'm doing the best I can, yeah. you know? Oh my gosh. But I look and I, I look back and I'm, I'm so deeply grateful for every experience because every experience opened a, a like a facet of of me and a, a and some new nuance and it's been such a pleasure and a privilege to be able to guide people i mean i've trained hundreds of yoga teachers and coaches and i i facilitate all kinds of leadership development and i and and I'm able to hold space really beautifully and powerfully without taking on people's stuff, mm-hmm. but just fully being with them and for them. And that is a beautiful space to occupy. And I think it's rare air, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And if I can help others also be able to, to um, sit with the broken mm-hmm. without flinching and trying to fix mm-hmm. just being... Wouldn't the world be a better place? Mm. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think so yeah, yeah. So, getting back to the quote that you brought up from the book, who can you give up making wrong? Mm-hmm. This to me is probably the greatest spiritual teaching of all, and that is that whenever we are making someone else wrong, we are doing energetic violence to them. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. We are protecting our rightness. My worldview is right. Yours is wrong. And therefore, you are broken. You are the one who needs to be fixed. But we're creating energetic violence every time we think about them being wrong. And... If you think about, for instance, if you had a childhood friend that did something to you and you're making them wrong and you say, that's why I'm so prickly or whatever that is, mm-hmm. they're over there on the other side of the world doing whatever they're doing. And they're completely unaffected by it. Yeah. But you are poisoning yourself with resentment every single day that you yeah. think about it. Mm. So wrong making is probably the most destructive
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh activity that we can engage in as human beings. And when we can give up making someone wrong and, and we do mm-hmm. that through curiosity, as you talked about earlier, we can, we can actually get to to a new level of relationship with them and we free ourselves from mm-hmm. suffering. Mm-hmm. That's it's like holding a hot coal when you throw it at your enemy, right? And (laughs) yeah, I know you're so wrong while you got a third degree burn on
2: your hand. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Such a good visual.
1: But it is it's it's like yeah, we went through we did a bunch of self-development courses earlier on in our relationship. And one of those blaming and making someone wrong. And talking about... I was wasting a lot of energy on talking about my mother-in-law. Yeah. (laughs) And every time I talked about her it would got it got bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. But I didn't look at um, you know, she was oblivious. Mm-hmm. So I was taking the poison expecting her to die. Yeah. <laughs>
0: totally. <laughs> like, totally.
1: Because I'm poisoning myself and my thoughts and my energy and I'm, you know, angry inside. And she's like I'm, you. <laughs> and she has no so clue. Yeah. So then I had to really go and, and do some work and acknowledge that I show up a certain way because To me, she's already that and therefore she can be nothing else. So nothing that she brought to the table, I could accept as good. Everything had a hidden intention. Everything Mm -hmm. was like, oh, Mm -hmm. she's scheming. She's this and that, right? I had to let that go. So this was years, years, years Mm -hmm. ago. But we started kind of shifting our, our, our way of being because, again, we were directing so much energy towards you know, people who made us mad, but they had no, no clue. Yeah.
0: Right. I have a really hilarious story about my mother-in-law. So I've been married three <laughs> times, but that's my second marriage. Um, my mother-in-law, her name is Nella and I still, she's still my mother-in-law. I adore her. We're very close. She just, she, today's her 90th birthday. Oh, wow. I'm going to go visit her right after this. Um, but the very first time that she came to our house for dinner, when I was living with Rob and just about to get married, uh, I don't know what possessed me. I was young, like twenty six or something, and i I thought I would make an Italian lady pasta, and so I made like linguine and clams, and I thought it was going to be just fabulous, uh, with really not knowing much about Italian cooking other than you know what, yeah. what I saw on TV. So I had this recipe and it was very delicious. It was quite good, but I overcooked the pasta and then served and you know, I'm sitting at the table and I'm waiting for her to tell me that it's good. Yeah. <laughs> and and she's she's not saying anything. And I I'm young and insecure and I want her approval. Right. And I said, So Nella, did you like the pasta? And she goes, Well, Pamela. <laughs> mm, no really. It's not my favorite. And I was like, <laughs> Okay, this is how ridiculous I was and so prickly and scarred from my first marriage because this is what came out of my mouth, you guys, and it's so embarrassing to say it. I said, my mom says, if you don't have anything nice to say, <laughs> you shouldn't say anything at all. I can't, I, every time I say that, I'm still embarrassed about it. <laughs> and she did the, taught me the greatest lesson in the world right then. She said, Pamela, if I tell you I like You're going to make a gang. (laughs) (laughs) She just told the truth. Yeah. And I couldn't handle it. Right. Mm -hmm. I made it personal, all of that (laughs) stuff. like All of the prickly people come to wake us up to confront ourselves and all Mm -hmm. the BS we make up. Mm -hmm. the stories we make up about
1: what it all means Mm -hmm. none of it means anything no one's thinking about you they're thinking about (laughs) for years we've been saying oh you know stories come back that oh so and so said this so and so said. i'm like really i feel sorry for them because they're spending a lot of energy thinking about me but i'm you're like spending zero (laughs) energy thinking of them so their their opinions have zero effect on my life and my family's life Mm -hmm. so yeah go ahead chat do whatever but you have zero power over me and my family so Mm -hmm. that's kind of the rule we've been living Uh, by many, 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 many years.
0: Well, and you guys will discover this. You're doing really great with your podcast. I love it. I've been listening to you guys. I love your sharing on Mm -hmm. social media. I love how authentic you guys Mm -hmm. are, which is actually why I wanted to connect with you because I'm really passionate about living authentically and Mm -hmm. being totally real because I think that does connect Mm -hmm. us all. And as you get bigger, as you expand, you know what happens? People throw rocks up. Mm -hmm. right? And... And what I've had to learn is that um, if you're not pissing people off, you're probably not doing anything worthwhile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And, and honestly, the bigger you become, the more of a target you are. And that's great because mm-hmm. you're kind of weeding out who your people are, who your followers are. And when you're triggering people, um, you might be a, the ones who are throwing rocks up at you. Yeah. They might... You know, your prickle of them might be something that redirects their path by a one degree right now but it changes the trajectory of their life at some point mm-hmm. and so it's just like kind of part of the deal as you get as you do bigger work in the world that you have to recognize that people don't throw rocks down no they throw, throw them up. up and so if they're throwing
2: rocks you're like right on brother yeah
0: <laughs> bring it,
2: bring yeah. it. <laughs> as long as they're pebbles uh, for yeah. now <laughs> bring it i feel like you're a bit of a badass i like it and then like the way you're like bring it and all yeah. that but also like i mean I just keep the one I keep thinking about how, like, you were chased by freaking gangsters. And (laughs) when you're like describing driving over that, like, bridge being chased by gangsters, I thought, man, she is a badass. Like, you like you're just tough, like (laughs) like, street cred. But I'm like, I mean, you've done gone through a lot and you're and you just seem like such a just such a knowledgeable and. I don't know what the right word Wise. is. Wise. Like, yeah. yeah. like, And I think <laughs> what you're saying about the surrender makes so much sense. Like mm-hmm. you just surrendered to control. You surrendered to like, this is the way it is. I can't control people. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I can't control what's happening. And I'm being chased by freaking gangsters. You know, if I'm if I'm
0: thoroughly honest about that, I don't know that I allowed myself to feel the amount of fear that I should have felt mm-hmm. uh, at that time. These these guys, the the police came to me and said, you know, they were, I thought they were going to tell me my son was going to jail for something, and mm-hmm. and they said, no, he's, um, you know, he's ripped off some really dangerous people and these are the kind of people that will come after his family to pay him back and I was like it doesn't that just happen in the movies yeah. like and I actually just felt that way and I think there was some part of me that compartmentalized it and kind of shut it off a little bit mm-hmm. uh and I had to be followed by undercover officers mm-hmm. uh for a while until until these gentlemen, I'll use the term loosely, <laughs> left town. Um, but I don't think I allowed myself to feel the fear like that these mm-hmm. guys could really come come in and hurt me until my friend, um, a friend that I grew up with, he had been kind of involved in, in a life like that. And he said, maybe you should sleep in the basement in case there's machine gun fire in front of your house, you'll be protected. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but like that—that well, that doesn't happen. What are you? Ta- and he said no. And you should probably have Brandon go stay at his dad's. And you should. And I was like, what? I didn't even understand. Yeah. I couldn't comprehend. And so I was in this oblivion. Mm-hmm. But afterwards, mm-hmm. after you're saying I'm so tough, but afterwards when these guys went home and uh, to, they were from Dawson Creek mm-hmm. and. um and, and things kind of got back to normal, I remember going for a walk and my legs turned to spaghetti mm-hmm. and my hands started to shake. And I had this, just, just this whole body shake. And I just sobbed because I realized mm-hmm. like somebody right. could have died. Right. Yeah. Not just me, somebody, anybody mm-hmm. in my family and uh, how everything had been altered. But, that too is an experience that I'm grateful for because I have insight. I feel like I've been gifted all of these experiences because I really have no judgment for anybody Mm -hmm. going through whatever they're going through. Nothing shocks me. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's part of how I can sit with other people with whatever they're going through. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Okay.
2: Yeah. And what do you need from me? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it did sort of seem like a movie, and that I think was the part that got me. Was I was like, "Shit, this is like Kelowna, yeah. right? You're driving down the bridge. You're talking about people shooting a house. I was yeah. just like, "Oh my god!" It suddenly <laughs> made it so because <laughs> people talk about crime and how Kelowna has a lot of it, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is real life." Yeah, you know. Well, I, I had come down the the
0: stairs of the yoga studio I was at and the, the officers had told me the kinds of cars that these guys drove and to keep my eye out for them. And, and I saw them and I was like, well, everyone has. That. I'm just talking to myself like, yeah. it's no, you're making a big deal, Pam. Mm-hmm. But when they were actually coming for me across the, like following me and cutting me off in traffic and I was like, I might die today. Mm-hmm. Like I might, mm-hmm. uh, this is not good. And I was so... So grateful and blessed to be. I, I believe it or not, I turned uh, turned on a road to find him. Um, I, I went to high school with a guy who was um, affiliated, let's say, with mm-hmm. some people mm-hmm. that are would would be able to protect me in that situation. Mm-hmm. And I I thought to myself, he's a block away. I can go there. Mm and as i was on the way there thank god the universe is smarter than me and more generous because now looking back i'm like he was probably some in, involved in that in some yeah. way who knows but there was a, a a police officer just sitting on the side of the road mm-hmm. and i ran out like a maniac and banged on the door and he he knew who i was mm-hmm. because they'd been following all of this so i was uh i feel like that was um
1: uh, divine intervention, mm. yeah, and I feel like I've had a few of those because I, I, I was, I still am pretty naive when it comes to s- certain things, or maybe I'm just not allowing that energy to come in because, when, even when I was in New York, uh, uh, we were talking with this lady and with this girl, and she's like, "Oh, I'm so scared because there's so much crime, and you know, I don't wear this type of jewelry. I don't because I'm gonna get, get attacked." And she's fairly young, and I'm just like, "Wow, I like." She's living in constant fear. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, I, I'm just not allowing mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, okay, well, the universe is just going to like, no, you got to be smart a little bit, <laughs> you know, uh, because you can't leave everything to the universe. Yeah, right? right. It's like, right. Oh. Yeah. Well, sometimes the universe is
0: just checking to see if we're still dumb. Yeah,
1: so. <laughs> yeah
0: right. So, are so, you awake now? Are yeah. you awake?
1: Right. But it's just like, yes, like, you know, I've been put into many situations, actually, where it could have gone horribly Wrong, but again, mm-hmm. I didn't allow that uh, fear or that thought to come in, how bad mm-hmm. it could have been, because mm-hmm. then I feel like I think a little bit more clear. I'm not basing it on like that fear and hide. Um, this maybe I should because, like, sometimes you should be hiding, not being out
0: there. But yeah, no, my husband tells me that sometimes I'm naive, and I say, actually, I don't think I'm naive. I choose to put my attention on the good in the world, mm-hmm. and I choose to put my attention on what I want to have happen in my life, yeah. and I choose to put my attention and energy on what I can cause and create because. Uh, here's a, a great metaphor for this. So my my first husband Steve was uh, he's he's passed away now. Um, he drank himself to death in a hotel room, mm-hmm. and um, he was driving to work when we lived in Revelstoke after drinking a forty pounder of vodka. Just mm-hmm. driving, you know, down the highway like people do, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he got in a, He he rolled over the truck, and he didn't have a seatbelt on, and he got thrown a hundred meters from the vehicle. Mm-hmm. When I got the call, I thought, "Oh my gosh, he's going to be a vegetable or dead." Mm-hmm. And because of the situation in our marriage, I actually was feeling almost relieved by that. Mm. And when he got to the hospital, all he had was road rash mm. wow. because he wasn't bracing. Mm. You know, yeah. when you brace for bad things to happen, mm-hmm. it doesn't prevent the bad thing from happening. It just hurts, but you lot, prevent joy right now, mm-hmm. and it often is more injurious. It causes more injury when Mm. that impact does happen. Mm. So I choose to kind of take that metaphor and say like, if something bad's going to happen, I could have spent the last year bracing for it, which Mm. I did with my son's addiction. I braced for it. Well, it sure didn't make it any easier, but it Mm. robbed me of a lot of joy in his childhood. Mm. And so... Yeah, I, I I think like you I'm I'm gonna hang on to my little bit of naivety, mm-hmm. perhaps, mm-hmm. and my um positive outlook on the world because uh, I'm not gonna gain a day in my life from worrying about what mm-hmm. could happen, but I will certainly rob myself of joy right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's how I yeah. yeah. So oh yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where to go next. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about your coaching. Um, mm-hmm. Like, because yoga, teacher, mm-hmm. guru. Uh, <laughs> <That's, both>. yeah. <laughs> well,
0: guru means slayer of darkness so, and and so I guess in some respects we all are yeah. you know we all are um but I started teaching yoga 25 years ago and um probably long before I should have been teaching to be honest but uh what I realized was my healing journey through yoga really uh it, it was what led me to all of this work and to heal myself and the, asking the right questions and being surrounded by people who helped me seek the truth. But I recognized that only 8% of the population does yoga. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how can I get this work out to other people in the world? Um, so I started studying, you know, more personal development, leadership, coaching, and it took all, pretty much every certification out there, worked with all the big ones. And, and what was really interesting to me was actually, it was all there in yoga all along. Universal mm-hmm. truth is universal truth, but it gave me another language mm-hmm. so that I could actually serve people who would maybe never step on a yoga mat and help their families. Mm-hmm. And I believe that if every family gets one person that's doing the the healing work and seeking personal development, then they become the catalyst for the healing of that whole family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I really just wanted to be able to to... Uh, to help and to serve more people. Now I tend to think in terms of expansion for myself all the time. So when I started teaching yoga, that was great. But then I wanted to uh, have a yoga studio and I didn't really love some of the the, te- the products of certain teacher trainings that were out there at the time. People were scared and timid. And I was like, I want confident, bold teachers. Well, mm-hmm. I guess I'm going to have to be the one to train them. So I created a teacher training, which is now one of the highest rated teacher training schools in Canada and trained all the teachers. And then I expanded my studio and then I started coaching just one-on-one and I was like, well, I can only talk to one person at a time. And Mm -hmm. what if I created group coaching scenarios? Okay, well, that's great. And then, well, what if I trained more people like me that could go out and then train more people in the world and make a bigger impact? And I just keep thinking about it's my responsibility to share this medicine with mm-hmm. the world. And if I play small, then I'm doing a disservice to the world. So it's everything I do has kind of been this natural expansion mm-hmm. from the healing work that I did. Even yeah. writing a book was just part of that expansion. It's mm-hmm. all the same thing. Um, I just have different language. So now I certify coaches. I have a 200 hour cer- uh, coaching certification. I still train yoga teachers and, um, I I offer you know limited one on one coaching which is expensive now because there's only so much of me yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and then um, and then uh, group coaching programs which I love because I can kind of empower and inspire a lot of people mm-hmm. at once to to really take hold of their lives and and seek the truth of their uh, their power and their miraculous nature and their limitlessness mm-hmm. uh, nothing makes my heart happier than seeing people. Exceed themselves mm-hmm. in some way and keep mm-hmm. blowing their own minds as to who they can be in the world.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's that's where we're at now, yeah. baby. Blowing, and blowing up <laughs> their minds. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: yeah well, cool. I I really love and I I want to say I love the way you're sharing your journey oh, authentically you. on on Instagram and and uh, when we've been in conversation, mm-hmm. like just how authentic and real you guys are. And I uh, I really have to acknowledge that. You know, you guys know. Not it's. It's actually rare. Mm-hmm. It's actually rare. Most people, uh, if they're honest with themselves, are managing other people's perceptions of mm-hmm. them, 100%. and it really takes balls to do what you guys are doing. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> it takes Thanks. courage, yeah. and I, um, I acknowledge that, and I, mm-hmm. I really honor that, and and you guys are the kind of people I like to ride with because <laughs> because it's um. It can be lonely to do that mm-hmm. sometimes. Can.
2: Yeah, for sure. And it's hard, uh, like you're saying, in those moments where you want to sort of push that. Like there has been times, like I the other day I showed up on Instagram and I was talking about how I was out at a networking thing and I really wanted to drink and I was upset about it. And I thought, I don't want to share this. And then I thought, wait. People are watching what I'm doing because they want to know not just the good, successful mm-hmm. things, but mm-hmm. they want to know when it's fucking hard. Yeah. And so I showed up and then cried and whatever. And people responded to so much. So many mm-hmm. people messaged. And I thought, okay, if I'm helping even one person in their struggle and their journey, then I'm doing my job of being authentic in this process. Mm-hmm. And then I yeah. good. Oh, it was so
0: good. It it moved me. I was like, wow, that's a re- that's, that's real that's relatable. And I said, like, that's going to help somebody and you won't even know the person that it helped so much, mm-hmm. but isn't it beautiful to know that, you know, you put it out there mm-hmm. and so many people in this kind of world are, are worried about going viral and putting out content that, uh, you know, is going to a hundred thousand people will see it. I couldn't give a fuck about <laughs> that. I do like if I, say something that helps one person because Mm -hmm. it was really one person that said one thing to me when my teacher said, if not you, then who? Yeah, Mm -hmm. And if not now, then when? It was that one thing that changed my life. Mm -hmm. And if something I say helps one person, it's worth every bit of effort because we never know the thing we're gonna say Mm -hmm. that's gonna heal others. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you what won't heal fakery, hiding behind stuff, pretending it's all sunshine and Mm -hmm. gray. Sobriety is hard. Yeah, It's hard. My kid lives in a sober living community and, and you know what? He loves it and his girlfriend loves it. And, and there's hard days and you need support and it's, Mm -hmm. it's a challenge and people need to know that,
1: Yeah, you know,
0: healing is hard. Mm -hmm. It's messy and it's ugly and we don't do it right all the time.
1: And And it's lame. Yeah. And it could be lonely too, because, like, we've always had this persona, our relationship with me and my husband. Mm -hmm. And I had him on this pedestal. He's my knight in shining armor of what he did 17 years ago. Um, with my Mm mother-in-law, you know, he chose me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, with my dad's passing, the disconnection that happened, I felt so alone because I'm like, my marriage is not what I say it is. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And there was no relatedness to me within my girlfriends, uh, because they were having marriage problems. So they're like, oh, we can't talk to you because your marriage is perfect. My marriage is not perfect. But because people put so much attention on how perfect we seem to be, Mm. it was kind of my mission not to like burst that bubble. So I suffered alone for Mm. a long time. And it's a shitty place to be. Mm -hmm. Once I started sharing with some of my girlfriends, I'm like, frick, this is happening. I don't Mm. know. You know, this is not perfect. Mm -hmm. The... I don't know the, the healing that started just with the sharing mm-hmm. and then that relatedness and it's like oh my gosh you are one of us <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you are, you, you are freeing, one of us right? it's like, freeing yeah. when you're like you know what this is I'm enough. Freaking mess right now, mm-hmm. and I need help. I can't do this. And, uh, and actually, uh, for someone who's strong and independent, mm-hmm. I don't need nobody it's telling really me what tough. to do. It's Really tough. It's to do. <laughs> really tough to ask for help.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. or even
1: just to admit
0: that we don't know the yeah. answer. We don't know what to do. Yeah. I recall going to, uh, it was a, ch- a time, my son's been to rehab th- 13 times. So yeah. it was one of the times that he was home with me waiting for like a month before he could get in. And it was always a disaster because he's using heroin and he's just a jerk, mm-hmm. you know, and all the things. Yeah. And uh, I get to the yoga studio and all my students are waiting there. And um one of the women said, are you okay today? And I said, actually, no. I just spent the morning trying not to punch my kid in the face <laughs> and, and and I was successful, but it was close. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Everyone said like, that's what makes you real. That's mm-hmm. what, like, we've all felt that way. And our kids mm-hmm. aren't even doing what your kid's doing, you know? And The more raw and real we are, the more we give permission for other people to do the same. Mm -hmm. And again, it comes back to what we were talking about at the beginning. If you want to be a friend, then be. if you want friends, be friendly. If you Mm -hmm. want grace, be gracious. If you want authenticity in the world, you have to be authentic. Mm -hmm. And then we hold the space by being authentic for others to, to step into, we become a place where authentic people can belong, mm-hmm. you know?
1: yeah, And then it's not so lonely. Yes. 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 Well, that's how this podcast started too, is because we were sitting around a fire pit on my, on my deck and we just started sharing like some of the struggles of motherhood and mm-hmm. that, you know, what you're going through what and just it's like, holy man, okay, well, this is what my kid did. This is whatever, it does get better. We went through that it we're just like, this community mm-hmm. feeling like you belong and that you have a safe space to share without judgment because we're all like you know mm. like you said you wanted to punch your kid in yeah. the face i'm like yeah sometimes mm-hmm. i'm just like fuck yeah. i have two twins you know two for one like maybe yeah. i could sell one nobody will notice Right? Photo- <laughs> photoshop them in or i always say you're not a real parent
2: until you've yeah. mouthed fuck you yeah. behind your kid's back <laughs> <It's so true. laughs> when they're walking away uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're like, fuck yeah well
1: i think
2: once my kid was like what did you mouth I was like nothing
1: Nothing. so yeah so it's just that you know stepping (laughs) into and because of social media Mm -hmm. it's become so much more perfect and the expectations yeah but none of it's real it's all fake and
0: and you guys we really I like I love that you guys are you you guys are debunking that and that's my goal in life too is to debunk Mm -hmm. that it's I don't know if it's real. Yeah. You know, the the guys that are like, if you want to drive a Lamborghini mm-hmm. and then have an eight-figure business and blah blah. <laughs> it's not even real. Did anyone even check? Does that guy even own a Lamborghini? Yeah. Probably not. Like <laughs> it's not real. And these yeah. people are struggling and they have insecurities and they have relationship problems and they have doubts and fears like everyone else and i'm not inspired by your lamborghini sir Mm -hmm. i'm inspired by your courage to tell the truth right (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. i'm inspired by people who are um willing to to bear it all to help others yes Mm -hmm. and i love that you guys are doing that
1: yeah well thanks you too well, thank you're you yeah I know yeah. bearing it all badass yeah. street fighting like <laughs> we, we, should, yeah, we should yeah we should totally do something <laughs> <laughs> a photo shoot badass photo badass. shoot, badass badass shoot. Photo shoot. Yeah. you're you're the leader yeah you'll be the ringleader like, re- yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right well yeah it's time now well, yeah we usually do
2: our fire rapid questions oh okay it's yeah. just like you know about parenting but I feel like yeah. you maybe answer I've got four kids so I haven't been a parent you know, <laughs> She's been there. Um, I mean, okay. So one of the questions, but I feel like you maybe maybe answered this. But if you could go back and tell like young pre-mother Pam a piece of advice, what would you give yourself? Mm. Don't
0: be so tough. Ask for help. Right. You, don't, mm-hmm. you don't know everything, and you don't need to know everything.
2: Yeah,
1: you know, ask for help. Yeah, right. that's a big one. Yes, ask yeah. for help. I learned to ask. Yeah, and it's amazing. Yeah,
0: we're meant to live in community.
1: We're yeah. meant to live in a tribe.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's not expected that the youth should know what the elders know. That's yeah. why the elders exist to share their wisdom. Mm-hmm. But the youth are so, you know, dumb.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know. So yeah, I would tell myself, to ask for help. No. Right. How do you think? Um I'm just thinking of this question off the top of my head, but like, how did your parenting change? Like as you had more and more kids or as you, you know, you this is like a, so many questions in one, but as your oldest son got deeper and deeper mm-hmm. in addiction, like how, did that change your parenting with your other kids in any way or? Yeah.
0: So I had a unique situation in that I have, I collected two wonderful stepsons. Um, so I married Robin. My son was, uh, my son Nick was about three when we got married, I think. And, uh, Mirko was seven and Silvana was five and then we had Brandon together so they were 12 10 and 6 when Brandon was born mm. so Mirko and Silvana were almost grown up but I had to integrate uh, step parenting mm. at a young age which was its whole own challenge and then they were great kids but it was my insecurities that caused that challenge and then um, once they were kind of moved out And Rob and I split up, then Nick was getting into his addiction. Poor Brandon, my youngest, he pretty much parented himself Mm. for a while because Nick consumed so much of my attention. And he turned out to be a really independent, really hardworking, really successful, very likable, easygoing, and I look and I think, I didn't even raise him, I Mm. had nothing to do with him once Nick was fully out of the house and Brandon was 16 years old, that's when I quit my like real job to just own a yoga studio because I thought I owed him. I was like, you get to have your mom all to yourself now. Mm. And so how it changed my parenting was I was like, I know Nick's addiction robbed him of a lot of his life and it robbed me of some, but it robbed you of your mom for a long time. And so I would just like, call the school and say he has a dentist appointment and totally lie and go pick him up and take him to Tim Hortons. (laughs) I was like, you're not in medical school. It's fine. (laughs) And I, I, I was at home. I had my yoga studio in my home at the time. And so I was there every day and I baked muffins and I drove him places and Mm -hmm. we had great talks and I reestablished a deep bond with him. Not that we didn't have a bond, but I, I felt guilt, Mm -hmm. the mother's guilt for not having been there so it made me realize the preciousness of this special time that I had when Brandon was almost like an only child from Mm -hmm. 16 to 18, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we're, I'm close with all of my sons now, but um, it was a concerted effort to sort of make up for lost
1: time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm going to have to make up some time because with twins, everything we do together, Mm -hmm. and it's those rare occasions that I have one on... One-on-one time with them, Mm -hmm. just because Lee works out of town Mm -hmm. uh, for now. December is the last day, so yay. Um, We don't have that one-on-one. And Mm -hmm. when we do, it's so special because I'm like, oh my gosh. There was a realization a couple of months ago. I'm like, I don't actually know my children. I know them together. Mm -hmm. I don't know them alone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, our pillow talks, uh, because now they sleep Mm-hmm. One with me, one with my mom, mm-hmm. uh, when Lee's gone. So that's the time that we establish a nice. connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, where can people find you if they want to look for you?
0: Uh, um, Shift Power Yoga. Okay. Uh, shift labs um, but on Instagram Pam Raider at Pam Raider and then I got a link tree they can hit up everything from there
2: (laughs) well thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story and Mm -hmm. thanks for having me it was really fun
0: chatting with you ladies yeah thank you I love the work you're doing in the world and uh, I think you guys should be celebrated and uh, I'll be cheering for you as you grow this to a massive podcast thank you thank
1: you right back at (laughs) you. thanks till next time bye We hope you enjoyed today's episode and that you feel more empowered, moved, and inspired. Be sure to check out the show's description and follow
2: us on social media at Let's Not Sugar Coated Podcast on both Instagram and Facebook.
1: Also, check out our YouTube channel where you can view and subscribe to our latest episodes. What you have to say matters, so send us your feedback and
2: ideas on what you'd like us to talk about so we can serve you better. And
1: remember, motherhood
2: is a team sport.